Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Now entered the house of mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on KCA 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 105.0 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. And, of course, I'm Al Warren, and Mr. Martino is playing soccer in Boston. Soccer? <laughs> uh, you got to do something different. Yeah. I was thinking different. I was thinking about you. Yeah. Like, what you kind of you. exercise are you getting? I mean, you're doing that karate stuff, but come on. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm working hard, Al. You're working hard on the cheeseburgers. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. What you... I get to fuel up. You get to fuel up. so you Yeah. Get... Um, you know, it's funny because I, I met Ed Cleves, you know, the writer there in Seattle, yeah, yeah. and we were down in the marketplace in Seattle, and we were talking, and as we're walking down the main thing, you know, it's crowded with people, and um, there was this guy in the middle of the sidewalk. Think of mm-hmm. a thousand people walking up and down the road, going to the market and restaurants. Yeah. A guy in the middle of it all, doing exactly what you do, showing his karate moves. Oh, cool! <laughs> and I laughed, and I said, "Hey." We should actually film this and send it to Dave. You should have. <laughs> and say, look, we found Dave in Seattle. I'm going to Seattle. Yeah, he was exactly like you, but he had a shirt off. <laughs> but, you know. Nobody wants to see that. Well, no, but he's, no. you know, he's he was younger, too, and yeah. uh, skinnier. But, <laughs> but you know, but I, I, he wasn't, I don't think he was as good, just so you know. I don't think. Well, I'm sure he wasn't. I, mean, I don't think he was as good. And he I kept never thought of becoming a martial art busker. Yeah, think about it. Yeah. Stand in the middle of the road, put your hat down there, and yeah. what what have you got to lose? Nothing. I don't think the cops will arrest you. Well, they, they might, they, especially <laughs> especially in that area. There's they see much worse. Come on, you know that's that's mild. That's okay. Any record that I get in Seattle won't transfer here. So 
Yeah, they can't extradite you. So no. as long as it's not murder. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can have a battle. Battle of the yeah. ninja nerds. <laughs> ninja battle. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, speaking of battles, now we've got <laughs> we've got someone uh, that's a writer that's been doing some interesting books here, a mystery mm-hmm. kind of thing. We'll find out more about it. So let's uh, bring her in and talk about her new book called How to Kill a Kingpin. And this is uh, Gabrielle St. George. Thank you for being here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Really happy to be aboard. Well... We'll see it at the end of the show how happy we are here. I'm happy know. at the moment. Happy at the moment. Relaxed. <laughs> well, it, you, you seem like such a nice, nice, nice lady. So how do you get into writing um, crime and mystery and suspense, thriller sort of thing like that? It's, it's, it's this sort of something you've known you were going to do all your life, or is this something that just happened after you killed maybe your second or third partner? <laughs> yeah, I, maybe I only seem like a nice lady. That's true. Quite possible. Um, and no, I've always been, I'm a Scorpio rising, Alan. Okay. I've always been, um, attracted to mystery and darker things and also terrified of them for sure. But, um, I was a screenwriter. I, uh, I was in film and university and, and that's what I first did for a living and worked on police shows and stuff like that. So that was just my background, but I have always loved that. Started out with Nancy Drew, of course. I think I've heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't well, you know, but when you do this sort of thing, like when you're when before you put your first book out, the very first book you're writing, um, was there a particular event or thing that happened to you or something that you came across that made you want to actually write and publish a book? Yes, that would be a divorce and the quest for revenge. Okay. Was that the first partner that you killed or the second? <laughs> I, I just, you know, get that in line here. No, I mean, but so, so the, what is it? The, um, anger and emotions that are related with a separation kind of led you to do this? Um, maybe a little more extreme. We could throw around words like stalking and things like that. Um, so yeah, there was definitely a danger element for quite some time in my world, but my books are funny. So they're humorous mysteries and I've always um, loved mystery, like I said, and thrillers, but I, mm, I've always written funny. And I actually feel like that's a high calling. I feel like if someone can write or act funny, one should. I, I think one of the toughest jobs in the world has got to be like a stand-up comedian. But... I do think it's a high calling. I, I, I've always been an entertainer, I would say, even as a child. And it can be a survival mechanism too, for sure. Um, even I have four kids. I had four kids in five years, so they're all little and um, loads of fun. But so many days I thought, so many times on so many days, I think, wow, I can either laugh or I can cry. And I just always choose to laugh. 
Do you feel that you need um, maybe just like a stand-up comedian? Do you feel in, in writing prose fiction and making it humorous that you need, I guess, a, a, a sense of comedic timing? Is there like a timing that, that needs to be, I guess, employed to uh, make the, the, the novel funny? I mean, I'm totally aware of the necessity of that, that the need for that in the structure and, you know, in every beat of every scene. But I don't know if it's a higher, like a higher force coming down. I don't really have to try. I don't really have to think about that. It just all comes pretty naturally, which I guess is just a blessing. Um, I don't really have to consider that. But at the same time that I was saying that I, I feel like I am basically an entertainer, but I'm, I'm really good with that. At the same time, I'm this like extreme introvert. Um, and I think like some actors and I know a lot of writers are obviously, but it's a, it's a real dichotomy because I'm an entertainer. I'm, you know, whether I'm with my kids or at, at, at a party, which I don't go to more than I have to, but, um, I still will need that time to r- recuperate. But then when I'm out there, you know, I'm the life of the party. So it's just a natural thing. It's just, I think it, it's kind of weird. It is a weirdness. I'm weird. Yeah. Extroverted introvert. Yeah. Mm, yeah. My kids call me a high functioning <laughs> introvert. Yeah. I think that's about right. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Well, you know, myself, I have the same issue and I found over 60 years, I've learned it's about having the controlled setting. So like the book can be a controlled setting or it could be like the radio show could be, and I can be as wild as I can be, but, um, it's got to be in the right location and the right venue, so to speak, right, right kind of medium. Um, so it's getting to be aware of where, I'm at and what I'm doing. Um, but, so I understand what you're saying, but I wonder if, um, do you ever worry about kind of crossing the PC correctness now with, with writing and, and in some cases maybe being humorous about something that's maybe not funny to others? Do you ever think about that or not? I'm super aware of that, and it's the very last thing I want to do. Um, so hi, and I mean, just in my daily life or just online, I have a, a, you know, I don't exactly love social media. I I do what I need to do on there, or I probably don't do what I need. I do. I should do way more than I do on there, but I, one of the things I hate about it is the, the cruelty and the, you know, the offensiveness to marginalized groups in particular, but I, also have I always um, use a an editor myself before I send my book to my publisher, and she does a sensitivity read for me. And what I found I haven't ever had the issue of something has been not politically correct, but words have been, words have been, and I don't want to do that. So she is really great, and will point out words like um, say the word lame, you know. Yeah. Your character says, wow, that, that's really lame. Well, this is offensive to disabled people. They don't want us to use that word, so I'm not using it. Or even like um, now, say, fat phobic words, you know, that will offend people. And it, it's, I'm glad, I want to I keep, 
getting smarter. I want to keep being made more aware of things that, you know, I don't find up stumble upon on my own. Also because my book, there's a lot of, um, a lot of, well, crazy people, but then the sensitivity reader will give me like, don't use the word crazy. Don't use whack job. Don't use loony. Don't use. And it's like, what can I say? And she'll say, like bananas. Don't use bananas. Like shit. Oh, so, it, so that yeah. after a while, I actually like lost like 80% of the words that she was saying. And then I left a few crazies in. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's all that, but I, I don't want to be that person who definitely knowingly or unknowingly offends anyone. That's not my jam at all. Yeah, I agree. I kind of, I, I, I'm trying to be aware as well, but I'm also from, um, I'm Gen X, so I do have a generational thing. So, um, I'm not quite sure of the anger behind some of it. Like some of it is just like you say, let's say you said the word lame. It wouldn't even cross my mind because that's just how we talked until someone brings it to my attention. You know what I'm saying? But there's a lot of anger, uh, that comes at you on social media and you're not even aware of it until it happens just for being you, who you, you are. mean if you've offended someone if yeah like it, 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 sometimes you can just sort of you can be talking and with someone and go yeah that was pretty lame for instance let's say you say that mm. that was just something we said in the 80s that was just not really a big deal but um it's good to know though right it's yeah no I, used I appreciate the word colored folk right and that yeah. used to be used but it's not okay and we all figured that out and we can figure out the terms that um disabled people you know want us to use and not use and like i yeah. said i just it's good for the brain just bring it you know yeah, tell me yeah. and i'll do my best I'll always yeah exactly i think i have the same attitude i think that once i know i'll try to do the best it's not like i'm someone's going to correct me and then i keep saying it you know i'll i'll be aware of it but um you know sometimes it's it's weird because we do deal with people at different ages and baby boomers are even more um, select in their choice of words. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay, boomer. yeah, well, uh, you know, you do what you can. Um, so now, now this is part of a series, I believe, right? Um, this, this book, um, is this book two of a series? This is book two. So book one came out last November 21, and that was called How to Murder a Marriage. And book two coming out in a couple weeks is How to Kill a Kingpin. And then next year, How to Bury a Billionaire. Wow. Which I'm looking forward to skewering very rich people because it's the only group I'm actually prejudiced against, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> personal experience, very, very close personal experience, the super rich. I know. Yeah, don't like I, them. I agree. I am um, in a certain to a certain extent when someone comes from money and they're born into money and they have money, I'm not really interested in them. And I'm certainly not interested in them being a politician, for instance, because right. they can't relate to 90 percent of the people. They don't know what it's like to wake up and 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 survive the world. So it's not really someone I, I'm interested in. Um, I agree totally. But, you know, when you do these series, do you have this kind of outlined in your head? Do you kind of you kind of seem to know what one book two and book three is even going to be and where it's at? So it's this kind of all mapped out in your brain somewhere and then you're just filling in the details as you go. I'm actually a title person and I, I come oh. up with the title first, which is bizarre. But uh, also they're really character driven. And the the first book is 
it's pretty autobiographical, quasi, let's say quasi autobiographical, keep me out of court. Um, and the main character is a lot like me, but she's a lot better than me. She's smarter and funnier and braver and a, a little bit more of everything than me. Um, but, and the first book takes place and the second book takes place like the next week. So, so far I'm not, you know, going over a lot of time, but as my background as a screenwriter is outline, 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 and that's what I'm comfortable with. And I did outline the first book and then it was an incredible experience for me when the characters just took over and I was just literally the stenographer and it was really cool, really fascinating. And so the same thing happened with book two. So I'm kind of hoping it happens with book three, because right now I only know the bones of the story and I have to start that yesterday. <laughs> well, with, with going from a uh, screenwriting uh, to prose, how, how did you find that? Uh, did you have difficulty transferring over or did you just find that it was natural to um, write in, in, in a longer prose form? No, it was really painful, terrible, awful, <laughs> hated it. Um, I love, I have a super short attention span and I love short, I love short books. I don't pick up, pick up really long books. I, I can't watch really long movies. I love short things and uh, writing like 85,000 words was excruciating for me, a good exercise. But the thing that I loved about, the thing I love most about writing books, and that's what I'm, I just, it was so great, was, you know, in screenwriting, nothing can be on the page if it's not on the screen. So you don't go inside people's heads. We don't get to know anyone's thoughts. You know, it's how, what they say and what they do. If, right. it, if it's not on the screen, it's not on the page. And being able to be inside a character's head and express their thoughts was there's so much freedom in that for me really liberating I, that's the part i like best so i write in first person because then i get to do it on stop well uh, along the same line do you have uh when you when you're creating these characters do you have an inner monologue in your head can you hear the characters you know i'm just trying to find out if you're hearing voices actually but <laughs> yeah <gasps> yeah um that's, or is it more I mean, visual that, Ah, well, a lot of people, a lot of reviewers have said that my book kind of reads like a script or they can see it as a TV series. And there is a, we are negotiating with a production company in LA right now. Um, and I, th I think that part just came natural. I didn't try for that, but I do. I, my favorite part of writing the book is the dialogue. I'm, I'm good at dialogue and it's, that's a natural thing for me. It's the easiest thing. So that's probably why I like it the best. Um, I, I don't write really long description. Um, I don't like reading really long description, but yeah, I just, the dialogue, you know, they just, they get in the room, the characters get in the room and they just start talking to each other. And again, I, I'm a very fast writer and sometimes it's just like, I'm writing as fast as I can type. Wow. Well, you know, and I want to come back to a, a part here when you said the main character and you talk about her as being so much more than you and all that. So what is your relationship with that main character? And is this something, is this really something you want to be? Is this something you fantasize about being this character or is this someone completely out of the blue? Hmm. No, I mean, we have a lot in common. Like I said, she's actually a relationship advice uh 
like self-help book author. That's her job. And, you know, has like a blog and podcast and all these kinds of things that, um, giving, you know, she's like a modern day Miss Lonely Hearts. So in the, in the book, I had her move to not joking, a little cabin on the shores of Lake Huron in this little town that I had been to. And she was just, you know, she had a bad divorce an ex who was stalking her and four kids who live overseas. So she was really copying me. Um, and then table flipped and I started copying her. I had no intention of leaving the Toronto area to move to a little cabin on the shores of Lake Huron. But here I am um, after I wrote the book and just like a cabin, just like the one I described. So I say life imitating art, imitating life. It's kind of what this book is about. One thing I did do, I thought it was just be kind of fun. Um, she writes these self-help books on relationship advice and dating and stuff. And so I actually wrote three of them. They're published by the same publisher who did the book, how to murder marriage. And so the books are written by her. Uh, she's called the X whisperer. That's her handle. So the books are written by the X whisperer, just ghost written by me. And they're nonfiction guides to like, um, how to know if he's having an affair. And another one is how to say so long to Mr. Wrong and things like that. And one on narcissism. Wow. Um, it, it's, that's, it's, it's kind of a, a curious thing then. Um, where do you get your characters from? Like, where do you think they come from? Are they from people you know, um, people people you've been around, maybe those you've experienced or seen? Or where does it come from for you? Yeah, definitely from people I know. Although some characters are amalgamations of, you know, a few people put together because, you know, some people are not that interesting. There's just things about them that are interesting. I got to combine them with others, but definitely people I know. And I really do ascribe to that um, philosophy that um, should have been nicer to me if you didn't want me to write about you like that. <laughs> well, have, have, have any of your characters done anything to surprise you? Have they kind of gone off the rails and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, taken over the plot and decided to go in a different direction. Yeah. Do you know her ex-husband, Gina, her name is the main character, her ex-husband in the first book who is kind of scary or I think is scary. I think people thought there was a lot of kind of thriller elements to the book. Um, and she really did hate him. And in book two, I was really surprised when, he was hanging around and he was less threatening and became a bit of the comic relief. And he's in the books now he's there. And again, life imitating art, imitating life. My ex-husband and I are on speaking terms, which I wouldn't have predicted a few years ago. Um, so since she's talking to her ex, I'm talking to my ex now, you know, just me and Gina copying <laughs> each other in life. <laughs> well, do you, you know, at the end of the day, if someone picks up this book, uh, well, first of all, they don't have to read each one. Like, you don't have to read the first one to just pick up number two here, do you? I'm going to say no. That's actually an interesting question that I haven't thought about. I think I'm so close to them right now that I'm not sure. I, I You could definitely pick up book two, yeah, and, and hop in for sure. Yeah, you yeah. could. And so, so when you when you do that, so um, is there is there a purpose that you 
want or some sort of um, subtext? Is there something that you want the reader to take away from the book besides the actual entertainment or story and, and things going on? You know, I think there is. I I wrote an article in the winter for Crime Reads on the soft-boiled mysteries and how important they are and how it's such a neglected uh, genre, subgenre of crime fiction. And when I was first shopping my book around, one editor said, um, you know, what's, what is it? What is, what is that thing? And you soft boiled, she hadn't heard of it. And another one said, you know, it's not real, drop it. And I just disagree with that so strongly. I've had a few people read this book um, and leave negative reviews saying it didn't know what it was. Was it a cozy? Was it a thriller? Was it funny? But the vast majority of people appreciated that it was um, a little bit genre blending, which I personally find more interesting. I'd rather read those books and it's more interesting for me to write, but the, it's, it's a cozy, it's a cozy with an edge is how I would describe soft boiled. And I think it's a genre that needs to come back because, uh, or be revived or be revered. And I think that a lot of publishing houses are, are, um, missing something important because, in cozy novels, which I love, I love them all. Uh, I particularly love hard-boiled f- crime fiction. But for women like me, women over 50, um, it's hard to recognize ourselves. It's hard to see ourselves in a cozy. That doesn't mean we don't like reading them, you know, getting, getting you know, your teapot on and your fuzzy socks and uh, sitting by the fire and reading cozies. Awesome. But you're not going to see yourself reflected there. The me and my friends are vibrant women who are in and out of relationships. You know, some of us have relationships, some don't, some are retiring early. Some have, some are, have fabulous careers. Some are changing careers. Some are going back to school. Uh, A lot of them drink, smoke, have sex, all kinds of things. They're online dating, all kinds of great things. And there's all kinds of tough things, as we all know, that come with being middle-aged, you know, your parents are sick and dying, your friends are sick and dying, your kids have left the home, um, divorce, all these kinds of things. So we want to read about these things. We also want to be distracted from those things. And in hard-boiled fiction, we're not really represented properly, not middle-aged women. Um, You know, it's mostly tough guy PIs. Again, I love the genre. I love it. But or, you know, sometimes like say uh, Sue Grafton, this kind of thing, the women have to be younger just because of the sheer physicality of what they do as, you know, private eyes or even in police procedurals kind of thing. They're going to age out at 40, basically. Right. right. Um, so I just think that I want that revived. I want cozy with an edge. I want to be, I want to read those books that are about characters like me. But the main thing would be middle-aged females. And, you know, as a demographic, we're a marketer's dream. We've got more money than males in our age bracket. We've got time. We read books. We watch movies. We spend a lot of money. And we're completely ignored in the marketing world, completely ignored as a demographic. And it's just dumb. 
So right now, as I said, there's a production company we're negotiating um, for either three movies or like three like streaming movies, like television movies, or perhaps a TV series based on my book series. And the big, the big obstacle is her age. In the first book, she turns 50. And they've been going around, the production company has been going to different streamers and, and networks. And they are saying that the top age is 36. They won't. So if I want to go ahead with this, I have to make her no older than 36. And it feels like such a big selling out to me. And I, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I, I just don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it would normally that it changes the uh, persona, right? It changes the person at 30, 35 or 36. You're a different woman than you are at 50. Yeah. I mean, and they still want her to have kids who have grown up and moved away like this character does. So it's okay. Well, she was either like a child bride. And then we said, okay, she got like <laughs> pregnant at 21 and they've just left for uni. They're 18. Like, you know, th th that's what we had to do. But um, it's just, it's, it's not only unfortunate, it just seems unintelligent to me. There's yeah. this demographic with, we we want to see ourselves reflected in various forms of media. We're willing to pay for it more than other demographics are willing to pay. And uh, it's not available. It's just, it, it doesn't exist. Well, you know, new women have been getting a little bit too aggressive lately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, burning right? the burning, first thing they do is burn the bra. And now what? Now they want to have right? Jeez, Now right. we're growing our silver hair out. Jeez. Yeah. Yes. Well, no, come on we can see that what are you doing um i know, I know. well i i think i think it's a i think what it is is it's a slow change i think like anything we we can all be aware of this now but it won't really catch on in society for another generation or more do you know what? It, it it seems it, to take time and it seems to be forever um but the only thing i would say that might have a you know might might make that less true is the pandemic you know when, like everyone was changed obviously and there were negative things and there were a lot of good things that came out of it right people reevaluating work-life balance and all kinds of things but there's a massive I mean, I don't know if you guys are on Instagram, and if you are, you may not uh, follow the hashtag Silver Sisters. There's all kinds of there's all kinds of them, but uh, these hashtags. But it's like when the hair salons were closed for for middle aged women. One of the big things that happened in the pandemic was we couldn't get our hair done. And so there were gray roots and everyone was horrified and shocked and wearing hats. And then something happened and it was an online movement and it's still and i'm telling you it's huge we are talking tens of millions of women involved like you it, it's it's fascinating and it's fabulous and they're so it's such a supportive female community but they just grew their hair out they grew their silver hair out and they just have these silver crowns and they are rocking them and all ages i mean there's some 30 year old there's women in their 20s with with gray hair but and you know you're always gonna look great if you're in your twenties or thirties, your skin's great, but, um, the women in their forties and fifties and sixties, and they've got gray hair, don't care. And they're just, and they take so much, uh, vitriol against them on social media. Again, like people seem like, like personally offended. 
uh, just by maybe older women. I don't know, but they're just doing it. And so anyway, that the answer to the question, what I would like people to take away is that middle age is not an ending. It's a beginning of so many great things and it can be the best time ever and lots of new beginnings. And the character in the book, the first book, she sells her you know, dream home that she raised her family in and she leaves the town she spent her life in and she just like starts a whole new life. And I think that is an exciting thing. And I think I'd like women reading the book, particularly women reading the book, uh, it's mostly geared to women, I would say, um, to be, but, oh, I was going to say one thing that I found fascinating is that I thought my book would mostly appeal to say women over 40 and the whole bookstagrammer community, which the vast majority of bookstagrammers are younger women, thirties for sure, twenties yeah. and thirties. Oh yeah. And they embrace the book like crazy. And I thought, wow, like, how are they relating to this 50 year old character? But they did. They loved her. They loved it. They want more. And I was really, really surprised by that. And obviously pleased. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to put a stop to this. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, this is a, it's a tsunami. Tonight. It's a silver yeah. tsunami. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would join the Silver Sisters, but I, I don't really have any hair. So <laughs> my hairdresser hates this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> She's not getting as much uh, clientele. It's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't well, have much here either. But yeah, you, well, yeah. Well, you could you could take this woman and make her thirty, thirty five, and she could have been from a child slave labor and been forced into prostitution or something. To have the kids, you mean? Yeah. 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 The only reason I would do that then is like make her, agree to make her thirty five. I guess is so I can cry all the way to the bank. But yeah. as far as just you know being proud of the product or you know carrying out my goal here i i wouldn't want to back down on that and i said i'll do i'll she doesn't have to have that job i can change so many things but if we please keep her 50 uh or even in the 40s like it's a big i know nope wow uh, i i didn't realize that but it, you know i guess uh these uh movie companies and television companies are the same as the book companies you know they still have issues with um what they consider to be minority and something that they don't think they can sell it's weird you know um, yeah but look at this stuff even you know with uh queer authors and obviously all marginalized groups you know that some of the biggest books these this year this past year you know sean cosby and all these like fabulous writers of color and it's, it's, it's still it's still a struggle you know it, you yeah. can't name too many big the big five mm -hmm. publishers that actually publish gay authors i mean you can you even name no. one uh, they always have to go through alternative routes to get out and then it's a lot of work cosby had to go to the uh you know and he was going to all the crime writing events and handing out books and doing stuff he it was a lot of work and he's older he's not like a 20 year old kid there's still a lot of struggle um absolutely it, it's yeah. not it's not it's not well like i think it's well accepted and and they're forcing people to to, to realize that it is like big companies and you're going to see a response from these big big publishers all of a sudden getting their their cosby type thing you know and it's kind of it's sad but it's, it's just, awful yeah you know, and they're always process. just behind they're, yeah. they're, they're just they're just like 
that part of the publishing world, so many, so many aspects of the publishing world, as we all know, it's just, they're dinosaurs. Yeah. It just, it doesn't make sense. And I, I, I don't think I have the, the desire that the wherewithal to like self publish, it just seems like so much work, but I admire the people who do and the people who are doing great self publishing. It's like, yes, yeah, that's amazing. No, it's a lot of work. It's, I don't, you know, I went through the publishing route and I still have with three different publishers, but at the same time, I also self publish and it is a lot of work, but you know, what you do is you meet a lot of people in your publishing journey. Like I've met some great cover designers. I've met some great editors some line editors and all sorts of stuff. And I can work with them on my own just as well as with the publishers. You know what I mean? You make connections and yeah, so you, can, sure. you can put together a pretty good team and get something out. That's equally as good as what the publisher's doing. But it doesn't you, seem like the writers with the big five, the vast majority are not getting huge amounts of support. I was just talking to one writer at a conference uh, a couple months ago and uh, St. Martin's, I think. Yeah. I don't know if we're supposed to say this out loud. Um, but she was just saying that um, there's just, they have a huge budget for marketing and basically you might have to cut this out. Basically, a hundred percent of the budget goes to promoting Louise Penny. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just it's that, right? So maybe you're with a big five publisher, but yeah, maybe if you can pull it off, self-publishing is yeah, no, better in a lot of ways. What the publishers all they guarantee you is at the bookstore, um, because they're mm. they're kind of separating themselves now. You're going to have the publishers and Ingram Sparks kind of going through bookstores and all the channels to distribute you. And then it's going to be Amazon. So they've kind of drawn a line now. So if you're self-publishing and you just go through Amazon and you go to something like Ingram to try to do it, you're really kind of ignored. So you don't get the status. So like, you know, you know, you mean on... they don't, if you're on Amazon, like yeah, Ingram doesn't want they're... you on Amazon. Oh yeah. And bookstores are, are not going to buy off of Amazon. They're kind of separating themselves Ingram's not distributing books that are self-published in Amazon. Like there's kind of a war going on internally. So does it's gonna... anyone think that Amazon could lose any war? Well, I think <laughs> there it's like anything, but everything that is a day-to-day -day thing that we expect and we do every day, all of a sudden disappears. It's it, You can't mm -hmm. name anything. You know, um, from newspapers to television to movie theaters, all of these things we've, I've hopefully, people have learned that are there. It's very replaceable, and Amazon's mm -hmm. no different. I mean, it's just it's kind of the day, but the next generation might not take to it. They might take to something else. You just don't know what is the changes are. So Amazon shouldn't be too too comfortable with this. But what happens True. is, you know, I go through a publisher. Those books are put in, I can go into any bookstore and they're there and I can go to um, do a book signing and there's not a problem. Um, if, if you don't go through that kind of channel, all of a sudden you're going through Amazon, bookstores aren't probably going to carry you. They're certainly not going to buy you and they're not going to let you do a book signing that you don't pay for. <laughs> so they're kind yeah. of starting to draw this line of either you are or you aren't, because that's the only way they could fight back to Amazon, to be honest. Um, Even the whole, um, you know, like all my kids, 
they'll they always try to buy from anything other than Amazon, including yeah. books. And and I, even the just the indie bookstores, so many authors too will say, you know, if you can buy it from your indie bookstore, please do. Yeah. So that that's still yeah an undercurrent for sure. Yeah, and that's a good thing. That's it is. a good thing because with any any business or any product, you don't want just one person or one group being the distributor and maker of it. You know, it it always leads to issues and corruption. So I, I of course say, I would say no. Um, so I like doing both, but I I get you know it's funny because even when I go to do a book signing. Um, a lot of the bookstores, the ones that were self-published, they won't let me sign for. <laughs> the the ones, but yeah. you you don't put your books on Amazon. Then you're saying, yeah, some I do and some I don't, or some oh. I do different versions for. I've learned the hard way that okay. if I'm self-publishing, publishing, I need to do a different version for Amazon, and then I do for the bookstores. Otherwise, when I go to do the book signing, I can only have the ones that they distribute on the table to sign for. So ones that you've just distributed through Amazon, they're like, no, sorry, we, we you can't do those. Mm, it's it's it's, it's it's a learning business, but I, and I can see where it's going. Um, they're they're kind of got their their claws in, and that's their response to Amazon, and and it will be successful to a little bit of a little degree. It will, um, because it'll become complicated for self publishers, you know. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, I really it's, do admire it though. It's, it's so much work, but, um, I think that people like yourself and so many others who are, who are rocking self-publishing are just, oh, I just more power I, to I you. I think so. And I think it's opening the door for the next, each generation because now it's become a norm. It's not unusual for someone to come up and kind of go, well, I'll self-publish and to think about it and try to do it. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, forget it. It was just the whole vanity thing too. You're only yeah. self-publishing because no one else wants you. Right, it's right. Not You're the paying way for it and it's done. And it's like, well, mm. and there is that. But the, the the idea that you can actually put something out and distribute it and actually sell thousands of copies is pretty cool. And I think that that will catch on with the younger people coming up in this in this world of writing and art and kind of go, yeah, why can't I? Because in a way, if you compare it to to live bands, you know, the old couple of people get together and start to perform their own music and they have to kind of get out there and sell themselves through different bars and clubs and stuff and to get the deal. And they would make their own EP or their own single and pay for it and put it out there and try to. It's the same sort of thing. It gives you that extra um, chance to to make it. True, true. And you make instead of making a buck a book, you make your whole 16 bucks a book. Yeah, it's pretty. It's so it's cool. I think it's a good mm. thing, uh, you know. And, and we'll get over this. I think right now it's kind of over inundated, you know. Like there's too many things being published, so the competition is extreme, you know. They're putting mm -hmm. so many books every day, you know. Who who do you who do you um, like? So when you're doing like your day, like what's your process? Do you are you the type of person that can just sort of go, well. The next five days, nobody bugged me. I'm turning my phone off. I'm nine to five. I'm writing and doing whatever. Or do you have to wait till the mood hits you all of a sudden? You go, oh, this is it. You're in the middle of a supermarket and you got this idea. And so you run out without paying for your stuff and you get home. And do I take uh, my stuff with me though? Yeah, of course. Of okay. course. Because they know that's that famous Arthur. Yeah. So we won't touch her. <laughs> and so you get, so you go home and then you also, you just can write it out. Like what, which kind of scenario do you fall into? 
Yeah, I very, very sadly have to wait, mostly have to wait until the gun is cocked at my temple. And it's basically impossible for me to write this many words in this many weeks or months. And then I start. Um, It's a torturous way to go through life. So I, but I feel like I'll go months without writing, but I am thinking about writing and I'm writing stories in my head and I'm creating characters and I'm hearing dialogue and I make notes, you know, just constantly make little notes. And then when I start writing, I do write really fast, but I'll do like 15 hour days and, and curse like crazy after 8 PM when I'm cross-eyed with exhaustion, but still have to keep going. And I, I don't hand stuff in late. I get it done. I wish so much. I was like a 2000 words a day person and then went for a nice <laughs> walk and everything, but it's just, it's never happened. So I'm kind of giving up the hope, but yeah, I, I'm, uh, uh, everything is flipping extreme with me. I tell you. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't, those ones that say that they can just sit and write and they, they're in a nice grass field and a farm somewhere and everything's perfect. And I don't believe them. Yeah, I really admire the people who are like right on the bus on their way to work and, you know, Stephen King being a little laundry room and things like that. But um, yeah, I need quiet. I can't like write in a cafe or anything, but I just like and me finding quiet now that my kids are gone is like super easy. I'm yeah. out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but still, I'll still like stare out the window for three hours until I'm like out of time and then I'll start typing. So are you like that, you know, Kathy Bates and that misery you're out there in this? Oh, God, I love and, that And movie. some some guy's going to drive in a Mustang and you're going to, like, uh, smash his ankles and have him tied up. And, like, you're, ah, so I left that part out of my book about what I did to my ex. But, oh. yeah. Um... This is the uh, unscripted. This is the part mm-hmm. that, you know, people have to pay for. You see, you get a website yeah. now and charge nine ninety five for the un the stuff that's not in the book. And that's what you cutting can room floor yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, no, I'm really scared of Kathy Bates. And, and <laughs> I see people like Kathy Bates in the woods all the time. They're not there, but I see them. Oh. <laughs> wow. So are, are you seeing people in the woods now? So are you and you and, and you're hearing voices and that. So do you do you find mm-hmm. that you wake up in the middle of the night and there's like muddy shoes by the bed and there's a shovel or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's my life. My kids are scared of everything. I just like, we just did scary things and told scary stories by candlelight and scared each other all the time. Um, but I am a really big scaredy cat. I can't even, I have so many good ideas. I could never like write a horror. Um, and I did a podcast with a guy who does, um, at the end of his podcast, he does like, he reads a, random sentence from a book and then i say a sentence he says a sentence i say a sentence he says a sentence and you um build a story for like a few minutes and he and the end of our story which was really really good and at the end of the story he said wow that was we were supposed to do a mystery that was a horror i'm like was it and that's just where my mind goes i think but i scare scare the bejeebers out of myself basically every day wow wow so it's a good thing you're out there on your own so, um, so what do you do now for uh, social media and for, for, 
for hookups. Like, have you got like a, a, a no? Have you got like a website? For hookups, Tinder. No, I was like going to say, yeah, Tinder, right? Like, whatever you got. But what information do you want listeners to have about you? Do you want to give out your website, social media, apps, phone number, address? Like, what's what's kind of what are you hoping yeah. for with readers? I'll definitely give my phone number because I like to scare myself. No. Um, so I, my website is my name, GabrielleStGeorge.com. And I'm most active, pretty much just active on Instagram and Facebook and not as active as I should be. And I have a Twitter account. And this is how non-active I am on social media, unfortunately. But um, I will get my... S-H-I-T together, Sim. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I also start writing a thousand words a day, every day, three days a year soon, maybe. But both are likely, unlikely. But I got a call a month ago, no, an email from, I mean, CBC and yeah. all these different news outlets and even like Spiegel in Germany. And they're like, oh my God, can we interview you? Like you just went viral on Twitter. I'm like, I don't even go on Twitter. And I went viral on Twitter. I opened my computer and there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails and messages and everything. So 30 years ago, I wrote this. um, I created, wrote and produced this animated Christmas special. And I didn't know it's been ongoing for six years. This is how out of it I am that it was like the Twitter mystery. I mean, the New Yorker did a piece on it last month. CNN. I mean, Newsweek. It's just nuts. Anyway, they, there was this mystery. They're trying to figure out what, what show this was. And it turned out someone cracked the mystery and it was my show. Wow. And then I was inundated. And they're like, like, where have you been? This is going on for a few years. I'm like, you're on Twitter. I'm like, I'm on Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter. So that's how bad I am with social media. But I'm, I'm optimistic that that will change. Yeah, because you're never going to get a date if you don't go on. Right? But yeah, the whole Twitter thing, I think... Now there's, there was, I think it was at 14 million engagement on the thing. It was like, it went viral. It was crazy. And I didn't know. So wow. there you go. That's when you go on and you start showing skin and, and, and the Kim Kardashian <laughs> and all that. And, right. Yeah. You know, and starting getting, you know, collecting money here. Like, Almost broke doing? the internet. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get in there. No, it's, I think it's a good thing um, to interact. It seems to be the way of, you know, today it's the times. Um, do you, so do you ever kind of get into people that review your stuff or do you follow that? Or do you look at that? Do you care? Yeah, I care. I do care. Um, I do care. And there's, yeah, I think overall the, the first book has four, it has four stars, like whether it's NetGalley or Amazon and all kind of thing, four stars and it shouldn't have five stars. It's right. not, the great American novel. It's not, you know, the best novel I've written or a work of art. It's not, but it's good. And four stars, I'm super pleased with. I wouldn't give anything five stars. Like I would give some things five stars. Alice Hoffman gets five stars. Um, but I do care. And then some of them are like nast. Some of the reviews. <laughs> and I just say, I'm like, why? Why do that? Like, why try to hurt someone or harm someone? Like, don't say anything. Just go away. It's like the big like DNF. I got two of them. DNF. Not yeah. my cup of tea. And then someone this big horrible thing about not my cup of tea and didn't like it. And then at the end they put maybe I was just in a bad mood that day. Maybe I'll give another try. I'm like, don't post. Why'd you post this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you know, some people, I think they're just having, it's, it's their, it's themselves that they're expressing, not necessarily what they're reading or writing about. So, you know, it's their own issue. They're having that kind of a day. Um, and I always, I, you know, I used to hunt them down and have them killed, but <laughs> I, I don't anymore. But yeah, I used to. I'm serious. You, you'll never, I, I'm completely aware that not, no book is everyone's cup of tea. Like no. I, I, Alice Hoffman is my favorite writer of all time. And there's people who don't like her, and I don't understand. I just don't get it at all. But it's okay. You know, yeah. you can, you never can please everybody. And the vast majority of reviews were just heartwarming and lovely and, you know, yeah. really made me happy. I wish I didn't care, but I do care. Yeah, I don't so much anymore. I go back and, you know, you've got, you know, when you go to these Goodreads and stuff, and you can see your name and your books, and then you can say the overall rating is 3.8 or 4 or something. That's great fantastic good enough that's mm -hmm. all i need to know i don't care because i think yeah. i'm a two uh, <laughs> so this is a good thing wow three point yeah eight. so this is great i write a two they give me a four hey you know yeah it's that constant the whole imposter syndrome like yeah. i've been writing for a long time but they're gonna figure out that i really can't string a sentence together i'm just waiting for the other shoe to fall yeah no i just admit it when they tell me i'm bad i say they're absolutely right you can't write. No, I can't. <laughs> just, I get that. You yeah. know, do the Andy Warhol thing, you know. Anyway. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. It's been lovely. Um, it's always good talking to a Canadian because they're so nice. Aw. You know. Yeah, this was fun, guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being invited on. It was really good. Thank you. Well, good. Now, so, of course, we'll have your book and your website up on ours so people can find you with one click when they're listening. They can just go click. And they Super. can and send in their bad review and say how bad they yes. are. Yes. We'll take it. We'll take it. So uh, How to Kill a Kingpin, you know? This yeah. Second book, The X Whisperer Files, number two. And that's, that's uh, Gabriel St. George, the Canadian. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Alan and Dave. Really, really appreciate the time. It was a good time. Thanks, Gabrielle. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.